Welcome back to the Head, Heart, and Boots podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Brandon. Join us as we wrestle with what it takes to transform ourselves and the businesses we lead. Oh, what'd you think? I don't know. It's kind of serious. Should we laugh? (laughs) (laughs) What's up, buddy? Ooh, not a whole lot, man. I'm starting to get the hunger pains. Ooh, it is that time of day. All right, dude. I got a topic for us. Got a show for us this week. Right on. You know, I'm a fan of Ed Milet. I'm aware of that. You've picked up on that. Renowned speaker, big author, dream someday. Fellow life insurance guy. Yeah, he's a life insurance and investment investment group. So just a monster of a personality. I really enjoy pretty much the majority of his content platform. Max Out Podcast is his big platform. He's just finished his second book. And that's actually what I want to talk about. I wish this was the surprise that I get to tell you that Ed is on the show. Unfortunately, that is above our belt at this moment in time. But I, you know, know that, dude. I think we can go get him. I'd like to get him on the show. He's a neat personality. Anyways, here's what I like about Ed Milet. So again, guys, Ed Milet, Instagram, YouTube. He's got a podcast, Max Out. First book, I think, is Max Out. The new one is The Power of One More. Ooh, and you're going to like it. So here's why I like Ed Milet. The reason I like this guy is he has taken a really interesting approach to the way that he has developed his influencer personality. Let's call it that. So success-wise, the man has built a massive, massive financial advisory organization. I don't believe he founded it. I believe he came in as a member. World Financial Group. World Financial Group. Right. So he, I don't yeah, think yeah. he was a founder. No. But he now is, I believe, a managing partner and or a major part of that organization and has built a just massive platform of wealth. I think he's estimated to be worth 400 or so 500 million. Clearly knows how to win. This guy is an aggressive performer. He is an ex kind of on his way to be a professional athlete. Some things happened that were not great injuries that ended up changing the direction that he went, but he applies that. Just like when you think about elite level performers where they're able to do things that are just abnormal, he's done that in business mm. and he continues to be successful. But the reason I like him is that he remains humble and the way he treats people is really interesting. He's very much guided by his faith and his beliefs and has just really come at this from this top of the line mm. kind of way cares very much about the intentionality, what he's saying, why he's saying it, the perspective that people would have. He's not just a shock jock. It's different. It's a bit more profound. Anyways, his most recent book is called The Power of One More, The Ultimate Guide to Happiness. And so I've been listening to this book and bare bones simply boil it down to this one concept. And it's the compounding positive effect that adopting the mentality of I'll just do one more has on business, life, all the things. And over the last few weeks, we've been discussing things like these four commitments or the four agreements. And in those four agreements, there's some really neat core behaviors or perspectives or promises to make to yourself. And it was funny because in the back of my mind, the whole time we were doing those shows, those episodes, I was thinking in my mind because I've been reading this book of Ed's, of just one more and how applicable it was. So here's some interesting examples of where this kind of comes into play and we can ping pong it back and forth a little bit. I think you and I can clearly think about this from the gym. You kind of dragged me kicking and screaming into the physical fitness world. And so I've been working on that for a while now. And 
just how like I remember you telling stories of I'm just going to finish. My commitment is I'm going to finish. And the interesting thing is, I think this is that principle in application. It's mm. just the one more. It's like I could do 14, but I could probably do 15, mm. right? I could do one more. And this applies to it might be one more cold call. Mm-hmm. I could make one more stop. I could actually make one more attempt to get that deductible collected today. I could go ahead and make one more phone call to follow up on my AR aging. I could book one more one-on-one with one of my downline employees this week. It's this idea of having in the back of your mind this commitment that anything that I'm doing, I'm always going to attempt. And it's not even an attempt. I'm always going to do one more. Mm. I'm going to commit one more five-minute block to this thing. I'm going to protect one more day to do X, Y, Z. And basically what he's saying is that when we start approaching our lives, our business, our projects, our relationships from this mentality of whatever the thing is, I'll go one step further. That's really what we're talking about. So this is going to apply like, you know, I was thinking about when we create systems and processes for our teams or we're communicating hard concepts or changes and in initiatives or focus in just this idea of I'm going to take one more minute to flush this out with mm-hmm. my key leader. It's not just this numerical value of doing one more count. Mm-hmm. It's this, I'm going to commit to take that one step further than what the baseline is. Mm-hmm. And just allowing that to literally permeate anything and everything you do, unless it's like drinking beer, it's probably okay to not I'm just going to have one more, right? We we probably don't need to apply the same muscle there. but I'm just going to have one more quarter of the pizza. (laughs) I'm only going to eat one more half. No, that's only... I'm the kind of person that always does one more. (laughs) (laughs) You can see how this could spin out from under you if you're not careful. But I don't know, man. That has just been hitting me because in full transparency, right? I feel like half the time we do these shows, I'm like on confession. I've been struggling with this. I kind of fell off the discipline horse. And I've realized when I do, it's normally not in just one area of my life. I haven't been as much of a zealot in the gym as I should be. Okay. You know, it's like I'm struggling to get three and four days in right now. Yeah. I mean, mental battle. Okay. Our business, so much of what we do, come on, it's not even our business. This is everyday life. I have not been doing the one more. It's been more like, what do I have to do? Yeah. Right? Versus here's the line and I'm going to step over it one time. And so this morning, I was listening to my book and I'm getting ready to jump in the shower. Pre-workout or post? I didn't work out. Okay. Yeah, this is exactly where my concern So you got started. out of the shower so and thanks went for, did your workout. Thanks for the shame and guilt. No, so I was getting ready to go in the shower and so I'm like, okay, baby steps to get back on the horse. I didn't go into my garage and do my workout. I did nothing basically valuable. And so I pushed my time and now I got to get to the office and start our day. And so I just did a big fat set of push-ups before I got in the shower. Just something, right? Yeah, dude. And normally when I do, I try to book in a couple sets of push-ups during the day. I try to do 30. I just want to get through 30 like every time. And so I did 40. Oh, right. Yeah. So in context of doing a full-blown workout, not very impressive. But from the one more mentality, Mm, that's what I was thinking in my mind. It's like, okay, Brandon, Let's not get caught up on the full-blown workout. That's not where you are right now. And we're not there. But you are about to do push-ups. How many are you going to do? It's like, well, I'm going to do 10 more because then I will feel less guilty about not working out, right? The power in this though, man. It's like the saying, a death by a million paper cuts. Yeah. 
that's essentially what this guy is saying. And the interesting thing, of course, about Ed is that he's kind of built an entire empire on compounding interest, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And the yeah. whole concept behind it. And so when this guy says things like certain things compound, like he really knows firsthand mm-hmm. the profound impact of consistency yeah. and these small disciplines done over and over. And Ed Milet is also the kind of guy that he is the author and the speaker that's really brought my attention to this idea of building trust by following through for yourself and with yourself and that deep confidence that comes from that. That's Ed. Like That's a really major part of his messaging. This is an element of that. Mm. It's like every time we show ourselves, 10's the number and we do 11 or five minutes is the number and we do six minutes, right? Mm. We make one more phone call. Every time we're doing that, we're building this almost like a giant statue, a testament to the fact that when we tell ourselves something, not only are we good enough to do it, we'll probably do one more. There's just this confidence, this, there's something special about the foundation that you build if you can remain committed to this concept. And it's so interesting because we were talking about these four agreements and things like not making assumptions and not taking things personally. And I'm thinking in my mind, half the reason I take shit personally is because it's my own critic is back there feeding me a line of BS. And so this power of one more, it's like you build almost like this bulletproof Mm. internal trust where it's like it doesn't matter what happens on the outside because you already know because every day, little moments by little moments, you're always doing one more than what was required. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's like it doesn't matter what happens from the outside because yourself... Your internal mechanisms are like, I don't really Because I think we're the only ones that can judge what we put out. But when we do, we know the truth. You know the truth. Yeah. The truth is, I am the kind of person, this is the truth you start building, right? I'm the kind of person who does one more. It's kind of like Atomic Habits. Yes. James Clear. Yep, absolutely. Like the same sort of vein, you know, of we act ourselves into a new habit, a new behavior, a new identity. Yes. We put on a new identity with our choices, right. our behaviors. I got to say, I know we're coming back to fitness, but it could be of anything else. It could be reading more books, right? It could yeah. be read one more chapter. The 75 hard thing with Andy. Yeah, Andy Frisella, right? He talks about, I think, read 10 pages a day. Yep. So it's, well, yeah, no, I'm going to read 20 though. Yeah. Right? Or I'm going to be 15. Yep. That behavior alone feels really good. Like when you cranked out 40 instead of 30, yeah. you probably got up and you're probably like, hell yeah. It's right. I got it in me. Yeah. And it probably pushed you towards, maybe I can cram a workout in this evening and catch back up. It did the opposite of what people would assume it does. Well, I already did my 40 push-ups for the day. Like I checked the box. I did something that's better than nothing. But instead, you probably felt like when you got up from those 40, shit, I'll make time tonight to get it, my reps in. You're right. It's like, it's almost the flywheel thing. Yeah. It really serves the purpose of keeping that thing cranking yeah. forward, fueling your fire, I think, in a lot of ways. It's interesting. You know, I'm thinking to myself, like all these little applications of how this applies. So this isn't interesting. I want to see what you think of this. So by nature, I'm a little bit check the box. And I don't mean by level of effort. I mean, I need to have a box to check. Like you're a list guy. I do. I like to have a list. It gives me a sense of direction. I like to accomplish. So interesting. I'm not a list guy. Thank goodness one of us is. I like to accomplish. I like to know that something has an end. It's been done. And right. so for me, the concept of doing one more count wise is pretty easy. Sure. Like, ah, eh, one more. 
I think where I was really hanging on this though is it's less of a number mm. and it's more of an extended commitment. And so for an example for that would just be spending a little more time unpacking a concept or a thought with my team member or with an employee. It's like if we think about our company culture, there are minimums that all of us feel pretty good about hitting because we're an American company, right? In American companies, people have at least this baseline of freedoms. We have have this picture of success. Yeah, you've got something, these minimum marks. But then if we had this mentality, it would change the way, for instance, I go into a sales meeting. I think I'm saying if you did this long enough, I think this is how it would reshape some things. Let's say I go into a sales meeting. And I've got 60 minutes. I've got three or four sales team members. I'm ripping through an accountability thing. We're talking about weekly activity. We're reporting on some movement in our pipeline, some shifting in relationships. And as soon as that's all done, great. Everybody's kind of itching. We all part ways and boom, high five, bye. The one more mentality in my mind begins to bleed over into things like, I'm just going to hang here for five more minutes and spend a little bit more time with so-and-so. Hey, Billy. Great reporting. Everything seems like it's on point. How are you doing though? How's life been, man? How are your kids? Shoot, you got a teenager now. How's that been going? And it's like it would be easy for that to fall out of that category because what does that mean? That's five minutes, not six minutes. But no, the idea here is building this behavior, this default thing that every time I approach the end, the quitting point, the finish line, there's something in my mind that goes one more, one more step a little faster pace, hang just a little longer in that moment. Ask one more question to get just a little more detail. You see what I'm saying? Like it's just this shift into every time I've identified what the standard is to know by default, I'm never happy until I go just over the standard at least. Yeah. Just one more. I just wish I could live in that space more. You know what I mean? Like I wish at times... It didn't require so much mental game for me to hang in that pocket. And I think it's just because that muscle group has not developed on me enough yet. Yeah. Well, I wonder if part of putting on that philosophy or living that out really requires us to consider the why. Like you start to think about kind of a weird example, but my son, Simon, is my youngest boy. He loves affection. Like he's our most affectionate kid. He's a hugger. He like wants to snuggle on the couch. He likes to snuggle and watch a movie. Like when he was little, he'd love to be carried and like slung on our shoulder. He's very physical. And he'll ask sometimes when we're watching a movie or reading books or something at night, he'll be like, hey, can you rub my feet, dad? Like that's his thing. He likes his feet rubbed. And me, if I'm honest, I'm generally in a mode of minimum effective dose. Minimal viable Okay, I'm like a little rub, 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 rub on both sides. Like, All right, cool, dude. How was that? Was that good? Check the box. I checked the box. Last night, I was rubbing feet. I was like, hey, can you rub my feet, dad? And I just, I kind of got to my end and I was thinking, I was looking at him and he was reading a book while I was rubbing his feet and he was just in this pure pleasure. He's reading a comic book he loves and dad's rubbing his feet. And I just, for whatever reason, that moment I was present enough that I'm like, this moment right here is why I do everything. I thought, number one, you know, I've been talking about just how as I've gotten in my 40s, I'm just more present to the fact that I don't know how much more time I have. Yeah. I don't know. You're not going to live forever. And I looked at him across from me and somehow I was able to see that in the moment. And I'm like, "Mm, nah, I can do another five minutes. I'll do another 10 minutes. I probably should just stay here as long as he wants to. This is life right here. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But how often do I just stop at what's asked or what's required? Yeah. And then I miss those moments. I'm not pumping myself up, but there was just a very real organic, like I made the right choices, dad. Yeah. It made me feel like a good dad. Right. When it's all over, it's probably all the little things that we've been too busy to commit to or that we quickly disconnect from and check the box and hit the minimum and move on to that will be all the things that matter the most to us. Oh, man. Isn't that weird to think about? It really is. I mean, there's just a reality. Like, I think about that. We've got some really interesting things happening in our family right now that for protecting the team there, I won't talk much about. But it's just normal. It's nothing sinister. It's life. We are humans and we are super fragile. And disease and pain and all the things, right? Anyways, it's interesting how this one more mentality can play into the, how do I support my wife right now? Mm. As she's just kind of eyeballs deep in just some realities with her family right now. And this is that place where that one more mentality can carry into. It's like, we're sitting on the deck and having a conversation. Like, can I ask one more question? Can I pause just for a few more minutes before I jump into whatever? I don't know. It's Mm. so universal in nature, the application. And I think We've been talking so much about this quitting thing recently or too much or a lot is a reality, but we've talked about it quite a bit. And the interesting thing in that place is just this balancing act. Like really it's about if we take it from its raw form, it's this idea of people not wanting to give too much. They want some balance. They want to be valued. They, they want don't want to be taken advantage of. They don't want yeah. to be ground into the dirt and thrown out. And I get all that. One of the things that I've seen a lot lately from an employee's perspective, and I was guilty of this at times where we want to be recognized for, paid for, titled for what we're capable of. But sometimes, maybe more times than we want to admit, we withhold actually doing what we're capable of until we're recognized and paid for what we're capable of. Mm. And I think part of the challenge, like challenging relationships are normally built on this idea that there's just a bit of a chasm between perspectives. Mine versus yours. Them versus me. And I think as employers, it's really easy for us to sometimes look at one of our employees who wants a raise or wants this or wants that and be like, okay, I agree. Can we go back to the job description? (laughs) Can we look at the core things that you're supposed to be doing? Can we talk about whether or not you're actually doing those? Anyways, spin out. But if we go back to that employee's perspective, like the individual's perspective, and we just ask ourselves a question... Am I kind of always living out this mentality of one more? Because if I was, what's the worst thing that would happen? Like, is there a chance I get overworked and undervalued at my company? Yeah. Possibly. Probably. That could happen. I think the challenge with that more times than not is our perception and not a reality. But that being said, yeah, that could possibly happen. But even if that did happen and that was not going to be your permanent home, If you identify that's an issue, it's measurable, there's data to support it, and you make a decision to move on, what did you really lose by proving to yourself that entire time that you really were as valuable as you thought? That I'm the kind of person that goes above and beyond what's asked of me. I always go above and beyond, period. Because I'm a one more type of person, not for anybody else other than for me. And inevitably, you're going to be recognized and awarded with opportunities and or you're going to have enough confidence that if you identify that's not your permanent home, when you find the permanent home, you know you'll receive the benefits of the mentality that you've built. Yep. I think that's the thing for me that kind of is challenging about that whole subject is 
Okay, but who's losing when you start withholding? Like, is it only the company? Really? I don't think so. That's a really good idea, man. It's true. And I think for leaders too, like, there's a difference between us that are in these positions where it's good intentions and we just legitimately don't feel like there's a place to pull more bandwidth from. We see that all the time. Like, part of the reason that we consult a little bit differently than some is because we ultimately see it's like, there's so many business owners with the best intentions. There's no more air in the room for them to pull on. They want to provide more to their team member, their employee, more training, more equipment, all the things. And they just legitimately, from their perspective, it appears as if there's no more to draw from. That does happen. And a lot of times, though, the way that we're treating our people or building the relationships with our personnel, we're hitting a minimum viable product. Somebody, something told us that this is enough. Mm -hmm. And we hit that. And then we get frustrated when our employees don't agree with us <laughs> that that's enough. Yeah. And I just wonder if all of us were kind of operating from this place of one more, a little more time, a little more conversation, one more stop in the hallway, one more QC stop, talk with one more team member today. Yeah. What would end up happening to our businesses? What are we mirroring? What is the culture yeah. shift that begins to happen? Hey friends, hey listeners, we're doing something a little bit different with our ads. So you've been accustomed to hearing some ads with our favorite partners and companies in the industry. Now we actually have a product page, our partners page on our website. So floodlightgrp.com forward slash partners. We want to give you a quick rundown though of the people that we're partnering with and we believe in as really go-to resources in the industry. The first one is restorationerp.com, right? ERPs are an important part of our sales process, our customer development process. And why reinvent the wheel? The Restoration ERP platform is awesome. It can be customized to your business branding and all that kind of stuff. It has all the components to really create a value add for your commercial client. Accelerate job management software. Everybody needs job management software. And we have just found Accelerate. Not only is their team like just really great to work with, when they get ideas from customers, they throw it into the, the product roadmap and they implement it. They're really advocating for the contractor and trying to create a software solution that works for them. Actionable Insights, we recommend Actionable Insights all the time, right? All of us as restoration operators are looking for turnkey resources and training solutions that we can take our team to the next level. And AI, when it comes to estimating and Matterport and a lot of the other essential tools we're using, they're an awesome resource. And they're always coming out with new great stuff. Yeah, super influential in the industry. Uh, super Tech University, soft skills development training for your technicians, for your frontline personnel. Let's face it, frontline personnel are the heartbeat of our company. They are the ones that connect with our clients and create the customer experience. There's no better investment than investing in the ability for those individuals to represent themselves, our clients, and our brands well. So Super Tech University, uh, Surety, they essentially are cutting down this life cycle between delivering service and then getting paid. Stepping in, removing the middleman in terms of mortgage companies, refining that pipeline, making sure that it, there's as least friction as possible. So we can go out, do a great job, and then our businesses don't suffer while we're waiting to get paid. The money's coming and it's coming quickly. And then the last one, guys, is Liftify. It's kind of a newer entry to the industry. They're driving Google reviews. So they're 
partner, turnkey partner that we can literally go out, provide a great customer experience, hand that name off to our trusted partner in Liftify and have them go chase that Google review. 25% conversion rate, which is industry-wide. People tend to average 5% of the people you ask for review actually convert. Liftify bumps that to 25. We were such a big believer. We're a customer and they've been generating all of our floodlight reviews. And in a matter of a week and a half, we're up to, I don't know, close to 15 reviews in just a a short period of time. So, And I think people just underestimate what happens organically with your SEO search activity when you're getting these new and active five-star reviews from our clients. And we we just can't let the pedal up on that because of the effect on our business is long term. It's a big deal. So check it out. Check out our partner's page. Do business with them. You won't regret it. We're confident in that. Floodlightgrp.com forward slash partners. Thanks, guys. Early in my sales career at Cutco, actually, which I've talked about before, one of our conference speakers was kind of talking about the subject a little bit. Mm -hmm. But he said it through the context of sales and cold calls and so forth. He said, as a salesperson, it's really important to always end on a yes because you're going to carry that feeling into your next call session. Oh, yeah. You know, whether you're calling on your phone, you're out making cold calls in the field, you're going to a networking meeting the next day, whatever. But ending on a yes is really important psychologically for salespeople. Mm. And in fact, now that I'm saying this out loud, I probably don't talk about this enough mm. because it's really critical. It's like we talk about battle rhythms a lot. Yeah. And as a sales rep, it's really important to cultivate that. You're not going to have it happen every day. Yeah. But Going after that with earnest, sometimes it's one more, sometimes it's 10 more, but the satisfaction and the setup, the psychological setup for you to go into your next day and also to be able to detach from your sales work. That's the other thing is in sales, oftentimes we'll stop it just whenever. We'll cut out at 5 or 5.30 or whatever our number is. And then we go on with our day, but we're lamenting the fact that we didn't hit our activity number for the day, we wish we'd gotten more cold calls in, or we're short on our meetings so far for the week and we didn't stop and make more calls in the day to schedule another sales meeting for later in the week. And we're still working. But when you end on a yes, you can stop working knowing that you've set yourself up well for the next day. Yeah. So you're not coming in with guilt and shame. This is stuff we don't talk about a lot in sales, but it's yeah. psychological stuff that drives our behavior all the time. And so this one more concept to me really hits on that. For those of you that are salespeople are listening, right? It's like there is something about ending on a win. Yeah. And that psychology is probably true for all of our operating partners as well. Yeah. Right. It's like as a GM, as a department leader, maybe you're an AR collections person. AR, end the day on a recovery. Did yeah. you recover some funds? Okay. That's a, a that's a good stopping payment. point. Yeah. Get a payment commitment and then go home. Don't end on a no. Don't end on a voicemail. Don't end on a follow-up email. End on grabbing money because it's psychologically going to position you in a stronger place next day when you show up to work. I feel like it's funny because some of this is like, is it the chicken or the egg? Takes credit to get credit. They're so symbiotic, I think, in nature. This is one of those elements, I think, that's like that, where it's like, it probably takes us practicing this one more mentality for us to be able to carry through and do what you're talking about, right? So there's like all these compounding positive effects on our life when we commit to being that person that's willing and not just willing, but driving to do just one more. Ed Milet's the he's got an interesting approach to his day. So in his mind, and this guy, he kind of reminds me of one of our clients. And there's only one that fits into this bill. But he breaks his day 24 hours into... He has three days per day. I remember you telling me about this. Yeah, I'm still wild. a little bit overwhelmed by it. It's wild. 
So he goes 6 a.m. to noon, noon to 6 p.m., 6 p.m. to midnight. So what he likes to say essentially is that in a 365-day year, he's one of the few people that will have almost 1,100 days. And I'm not really getting into the details as far as what he does during those times, but there is enjoyment and there's family time commitments and things like that in that mix that he specifically blocks into his schedule. But the point is, is he's got a sleeping period of time and it's from midnight to 6 a.m. And everything outside of that is part of a day. It falls into one of his days. And he says what he gets from that is this idea that every minute for him counts. So the problem that we slip into when we realize that every day is a 24-hour period and we only have one of them, it's like an hour can get wasted pretty easily. We don't necessarily feel the pressure from it, right? Because there's 24 hours. I only have one day. It's like you get six or eight hours of production or something that resembles production in. And after that, it is what it is. I don't necessarily fully adopt this perspective of three days in one. It feels a little bit like I'm just in a constant state of grind, which isn't fulfilling to me. Sure. But there is something to be said about when we have some, what's the term, like a healthy pressure. It's like a due date. There's positives about understanding that something has to happen by this point or this needs to be done in order to generate this kind of revenue, whatever. Yeah that's a positive motivator. So anyways, my point is this. He's really disciplined to an extreme level. But I think this one more mentality is the muscle. Like those are the little He's decisions. He's been working that out for For like long? 30 years, yeah. right? And it probably was. Like the fact that we can talk to a guy that's four or $500 million and has teams of thousands of people that oversee. Top 100 podcasts. Top like 100 podcasts. I mean, it's just bonkers. I guarantee you, it was 30 years, and he would say this, it's 30 plus years of one more mentality, one more set, one more call, one more minute to this thing. I'm going to give this one more hour of contemplation and planning. I'm going to do one more show. I'm going to do one more talk. Yeah, It's powerful, man. Yeah, part of me when I hear those kinds of things, when you look at these billionaires and just crazy successful industry icons and stuff like that, part of me, which you've talked about, really wants to dismiss it or discount it as, well, I don't see myself that way. Like, I don't know. Wow, that's like amazing. I get intimidated by it a little bit. But then part of me also feels like, okay, yeah, he very well likely has an extraordinary gifting that he was born with. He's an outlier. He started as maybe an outlier. But I think then when I start to just process that and let it be, it's like, okay, yeah, he's an outlier. He's a four or $500 million guy. He's like super, super disciplined and measured and everything else. But it's a model I can... What if I could get to 70% of that? What would that do to my life? Where would that take me? Yeah, exactly. Like, What if I could implement 90% of it? What if I had 90% that discipline? How would that impact my current life and circumstances and my effect that I have on other people, my influence and finances and everything else? What if? Enormous. So what if I'll never be him? I wrestle with this sometimes. You know, It's like you look at Elon Musk and you look at all these figures that we deify. And the reality is there's outliers in the world. Yeah. And they do tend to rise to the top because they have extraordinary gifts and discipline or whatever, or just energy. Yeah. There are people in the world... It's just energy. There are people in the world that are not me that can routinely operate on five hours of sleep. It's just not me. I don't think it ever will be. But then when I just take a step back and I'm like, all right, well, so maybe I'm not Elon Musk, but can I adopt his principles? Can I put on his behavior? What would that do for me? 
No, I think you're spot on. And I think a guy like Ed Milet would be the first to say, like with anything, it's context, mm-hmm. right? Like we've talked about scenarios where somebody's experiencing some level of loss or sadness and how it can be very dangerous for us to look at whatever it is that they've experienced and reflect on it as a comparison to what we've experienced. And then yeah. from that place, the value of how sad or how hard was that experience yeah. for them. I think the same applies to these kinds of things too, where it's like, look, the context of one more for a guy like Ed Milet might look drastically different than one more for me. Yeah, That's only because he's been doing it for 30 years. But it all started with one more set in the gym. What kind of person would I be if I did this one more thing for the next 30 years? Yeah. I don't know. That's exactly it. I don't even know. know. And I think Eckhart Tolle gets to this, like, who are you? Well, that's a great question. Yeah. What are you capable of? Great question. Do one more for 30 years and find out. Yeah. Listen, for our business owners and key leaders out there that are listening, like, of course, this show is always for everyone. But I see and dude, my heart feels the weight of when we're trying to build something and we're trying to cast a vision that people are excited enough to participate and follow us. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And you're playing this ping pong game of, I have empathy for them. I'm so pissed off at them. I have empathy for them. I'm wore out by them. I have empathy from them. I'm so irritated. (sighs) The back and forth and the back and forth. And it just is nature. It's okay. But man, if we can start falling into this position or leaning into the one more, what does that do? Again, I've said this, we've repeated it, but one more stop in the hallway with a person. Mm. One more minute in the morning on your way to your office. Just give that employee one more minute. What would you learn? One more second to consider their perspective. One more pause. One more attempt. Here's something, guys. One more is going to count for tries as well. Like how many times have we tried in quotes to do something at our job or our company or implement something and it fails to get implemented and then we just give up. We discard it. We discard it. It's not important enough. You know what? Other companies worry about that. I don't really have to. I'm already such and such. We're already this big. What if we just tried one more time to put that process in place? What if we tried one more time to have that hard conversation with our employee about attendance? It seems so universal in nature. Dude, I'm glad you brought this up. I'm glad this was our topic. It's inspiring. Just got to eat it, sleep it, breathe it, you know? Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us. And if you want to hang out with us some more, there's different ways to connect with Floodlight. We've got some cool things cooking. You're here a few changes to the podcast, you know, over the for sure. coming weeks and months. But for the time being, great way to connect with us. Go to our website, check out some of the other services we do. We've got the Commercial Sales Master Course. If you're trying to really make a concerted effort to figure out commercial sales and build an operation for your team, you're onboarding a new salesperson. It's a great turnkey tool for that to get them up to speed. For sure. Brandon and I do live workshops. We have a few holes in the calendar here coming up end of year and Q1 of next year. And then sharing is caring, right? If you enjoy the podcast, one of the great things you can do is leave a review on Google for Floodlight Consulting Group or for Head, Heart & Boots Podcast and or text the show to your friends. There's yeah. a little share button inside your podcast app or Spotify. Share it out to a buddy, another colleague that you think might get some value from it. You know? It's kind of funny along those lines. We have more people listening to our show now that 
they're not in the trades. They're not in our industry. They have nothing to even do with service companies. Oh, that's right. Yeah. My gym owner. He's one. That my was... gym owner. Yeah. It turns out Joey Coleman is like kind of an icon in the gym industry. His first 100 days, like yeah. gym owners take it really it. seriously, which right? makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And it's a great little petri dish of service, like oh, a yeah. gym, oh, a gym yeah. business. It's all about how you make people feel, all that kind of stuff. So he was like all into it. And then he started listening to the rest of our catalog. And he's like, oh, man. There's a lot this of good stuff. Yeah. So anyway, the only reason I say that is don't make assumptions and share it out. So anyways, okay, gang. Thanks okay. a lot. We'll see you later. I'll be designed. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Head, Heart, and Boots. And if you're enjoying the show, but you love this episode, please hit follow, formerly known as subscribe, write us a review, or share this episode with a friend. Share it on LinkedIn, share it via text, whatever. It all helps. Thanks for listening.